I am the way into the city of woe. I am the way into eternal pain. I am the way to go among the lost. Justice caused my highest architect to move. Divine omnipotence created me. The highest wisdom and the primal love. Before me there were no created things, but those that last forever as do I. Abandon all hope, you who enter here, for you stand in the presence of the motherfucking couch potato ninjas. You ready, Dom? Woo! Yeah, I'm I'm amped. I am amped. Oh, you by the way, I got big news. I got big news. I got big news. Yeah. Yeah. I got my brown belt in judo today. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Martial arts related. So (laughs) I'm a brown belt in jujitsu and a brown belt in judo, and I'm so freaking pumped. (laughs) Woo! Sorry to derail you, but I just couldn't hold it in. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm thinking you're ready, Tom. You ready, Jay? Ready. I I am ready. You ready, Jay? No, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I you can't re- compete with Dom, so I'm, I'm just happy to be here. You ready, Chris? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm thinking I'm ready. I'm ready for bass. I'm ready for punch and ropes. I'm ready for the entirety that is John Wick 4. <laughs> That's right. This is tonight. We are diving into the uh, the finale, or maybe... Of the John Wick series, and we'll talk more about that later for sure. This is John Wick Chapter 4, and guys, thank you for humoring me in my uh, riffing on the fantastic, wonderful Lawrence Fishburne intro to this movie that, of course, I admittedly couldn't even come close to holding a candle that is the fantasticness of the man that starts off this fantastic, epic movie. So we're talking about it, guys. John Wick Chapter 4, the the biggest movie in this series, uh, at least lengthwise, I think content-wise. We we got a lot to go over tonight. So much. Did I derail you? Did I derail you? I'm sorry. Oh, 100% you did. 100% you derailed. Mike was on a roll. He was going right into it. He was channeling Lawrence Fishburne. He was challenging... Channeling the one of the greatest intros in an action movie I've ever seen. Do we want to do seen. it again? No, we're not doing no, it again. No. no, we're keeping God, no. all of you stepping over him. Oh, I've got a brown belt. Oh, I can actually do martial arts. Man. I would say I would say that you you verbally pulled a John Wick and that you used my momentum against me and <laughs> boom boom just shot me in the face with your martial arts accomplishments. Oh, it was good. <laughs> I wouldn't change a second of that. Oh, Guys, so thank you. Again, we are Punches and Popcorn. We are diving into, we've been on this journey of diving into the John Wick movies, and uh, and we are here, John Wick 4, the biggest and the best. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, uh, the best is to, you know, I, I feel like I'm inter- I'm putting my own foot in, in uh, my opinions here. Oh, this, and, uh, this we, is, we got a lot to dive into tonight. It's a tough one. So, like, I, I think coming into this, like, so we've we've run through Wick 1 through 3, and we're coming up on what is one of the biggest, brashest, most phenomenal, huge movies in any action series ever, and we're coming into it with huge expectations. And I got to say, guys, like, every expectation I had for John Wick 4, every expectation was 100% met. I had no qualms with almost anything in this movie, and I think for me it lived up to absolutely everything I thought it was going to deliver on. And I, I, I'm, I'm wildly excited to talk through it, but 
this is already one of my absolute favorite action movies. Mm-hmm. This is this is great. And you know what I think really, before we can even start to wrestle with the awesomeness that is this movie, I think to get us there, aside from Dom just verbally, uh, you know, Pit Viper fangs me in the face with his martial arts awesomeness. He, he, atta- he attacked <laughs> you. asked you. me if I was ready, and I was ready. I had a really good night. I'm sorry. It was really good. He was it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> he he just rear naked Cho Tun Town right, right, <laughs> right off the bat. Just Boom. put him down to the mat. We, we aren't even five minutes into this and already. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Well, before before we uh, wrestle that, we'll, we I'm really need. I'm genuinely sorry. To I, set, no, it, 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 I thought not. you were done. Awesome. That was and the I, end of the thing. I'm so Hold excited. On. The joking aside, I'm very proud for you, Dom. This is a friggin' amazing accomplishment. So cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but yeah, let's 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 level set ourselves here. I think we need a go- to get started with our word today. We need the gospel. You got it, genius. Genius. I'm a genius. He's genius, eh? Wily Coyote. Super genius. Was it you, genius? You little genius, you. Being a genius certainly has its advantages. All right, I, I'm still getting in, used to that intro. It is a treat. <laughs> All right, so um, we briefly touched upon the stunt team 8711 in our first John Wick installment, and I want to go back to that. Uh, some of this will be redundant, but I, I, it, it bears repeating how important this stunt team is to the John Wick universe and modern action cinema overall. So again, we're talking about the founders who started all, are Chad Stahelski, who's directed all four of the John Wick films, and David Leitch, who directed the first one and went on to do his own thing uh, with like Bullet Train and Deadpool 2. So he sort of is doing his own awesome action in, in other uh, action genres and but anyways he, he did a comic um, blonde too right yep and i think blonde. nobody as well oh really well he didn't direct nobody I think oh he, he, might was, have he wrote it. it yeah it was produced uh, yes. or something yeah okay right good. right continue the word so, yeah of course so um we'll talk about chad's first specifically he started martial arts at an early age um he ha- actually got a black belt super early he competed in mixed martial arts um eventually he made the move to hollywood stuntman and his first big break was uh being the stunt double to Brandon Lee in The Crow. So that was kind of a, a big deal at the time. Fortunately, not for Brandon, R.I.P. Uh, weird. <laughs> he, his legend right lives now. on in Sting, the wrestler in AEW. There you go. Yes, Thank you. Right. you. You fixed my, my sadness. <laughs> uh, uh, anyways, he kept going, you know, moving up the chains and got to uh, be Keanu's stunt double in the Matrix movies. And that was big for him because he started to not only be a stuntman, but also start doing choreograph- choreography. He uh, worked with um, Chen Wu Ping. That was like a huge deal for him as well on the Matrix film. So he was slowly working his way up. Um, then he ended up doing some choreography on the 300 movie action scenes in that. So he was sort of um, just building his career slowly but surely. And um, he was specifically known for his vehicle stunts. That was sort of his signature at the time. As for uh, David Leitch, um, very similar path, obsessed with martial arts at an early age. Uh, but his big break came in. It actually was a teacher uh, before he you know, took his chance at Hollywood. But his big break came in Fight Club. He was Brad Pitt's stunt double in Fight Club. He also um, went on to double pit in movies like Troy and Mr. and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And also um, he doubled Matt Damon in the Bourne Ultimatum. Ooh. So these two guys, um, they met on the set of the matrix and 
Um, they also worked together on 300 before they ended up forming 8711, their stunt company. And um, basically what they specialize is obviously stuntmen, fight choreography, but also pre-visualization, pre I can't speak tonight, stunt scenes for hundreds of movies. Basically, if there was a decent action movie in, the, in Hollywood in early 2000s and into the 2010s, it was probably 8711 being involved. Um, they got on their map, uh, or got on the Hollywood scene on that type of map, thank you, uh, with pre-visual... I'm sorry, I said the pre-visualization, but anyways, um, they hear about a movie in pre-production that potentially needed an action sequence. They wouldn't even look at the script yet, um, and they would come up with something, even film something, and bring it to a, a pitch meeting. And, and a lot of times, you know, movies were blown away by this and, and hired them on the spot. Nice. Uh, but anyways, why I really like them and why they're such a big deal is um, the actors in the role like the the actor playing the role will, will a lot of times be trained to actually be as good as a stunt double would be. Um, they have committed actors, like think about Keanu, think about Bob Odenkirk and nobody. Um, the choreography of the fight is, is huge. They do it all beforehand, basically huge amount of training. This way, the fight's on camera. There's no, they don't have to worry about like finding the fight in the edit or, you know, shaky cam to kind of give it energy when there truly isn't any. They're all like about, getting it all on screen. And also they're really focused on the minutiae. Like think about Keanu and Gun Fu and how he's, they're always tracking like, you know, I, I assume they're always tracking the, the bullets in the gun and how he reloads is just as important as anything else in the scene. And, and I just adore that. So um, I think if you were to tell some of this stuff to like a non-movie fan or non-action cinema fan, they would just be like, oh, okay. But like, it's not a big deal to them. But to action cinema fans, this is revolutionary, this stuff. Like, as far as I'm concerned, the stunt team is a watershed moment for action movie cinema. It's very rare to be, for me, when I was like a, a movie fan in like 2000s, 2010s, uh, early in that decade, like I'd always have to go to Asia for my action movie fix, like the Raid movies or Tony Jaw films. But with 8711, they brought that to uh, the American shores. And I'm just so happy to be a movie fan right now in this John Wick series. It's just like the pinnacle of that. Well, and I, I think that's a, I mean, that's a great point in of itself is that's, I mean, in the end, that's what this movie brought to us is this movie brought us one of the world's great martial arts movie people into a movie that is a hundred percent American, but mm -hmm. also carries all of the martial arts awesomeness oh, that yeah. he brings to the movie. And <clears throat> I gotta say, just to like, just to start off, like, I don't want to spend too much time on our overall thoughts. We'll hit that in, you know, in the end of this and uh, yeah. in part two of our discussion. But I think in the end, what I'll, what I'll say is this movie has one of the best, has the best foe in the whole series. I think it has the best bad guy in the series. I think it has the best wild card in the series. And man, does this two hours and 45 minutes fly by. Oh, yeah. This mm -hmm. is not a movie where you think, oh, this was too long. Oh, my God, does this fly by. And I, I'm really excited to talk about this whole thing because it's, boy, just it, there's just so much that goes on. But this is uh, just just amazing. And that, I, I love kicking it off with that. You're, you're absolutely right, Jay, because that's what drives this whole movie is oh, yeah. every action scene doesn't feel Oh, like it was just all CG'd and it's this. Every action scene feels like it matters. 
every oh, yeah. part of it matters because mm-hmm. the work made it great. Oh, um, yeah. Like, and we, that's what we get. Stu- that's what the movie starts with. We, we start with the work, like, you know, that intro, but we get John wick fully trained for the right. first time. He's been training to get back and punching mm-hmm. this rope and bleeding everywhere. And it's just, Ooh, Oh man. Did that get me excited in the theater? I saw it in IMAX. Oh, yeah. Ooh, oh nice. Oh man. Oh, did, was that, awesome seeing that scene when I had no idea what was going to happen. Right. You just get that huge punch of bass. Oh, Ooh, is it great? Well, it's just (laughs) right. So just to the, you know, to get into the movie right at the beginning, you know, every other movie, every other sequel we've talked about uh, how it really starts with, uh, it's like a flash, uh, you know, bam, bam from the last movie to this one, Uh, you know, and it's been like, we joked before in the previous movies that it's like, it's this really long, like, three days that John Wick has had, and now yeah. we know time's gone by, and we have that fantastic, the the monologue there that I made a, a paltry, terrible, <laughs> just attempt to come anywhere close to it. But it, you're right, that pounding of the rope, and for me, I saw that, and that made me immediately, I mean, how many, uh, you know, kung fu, uh, kickboxing, you know, martial arts movies do we see with, like, that exact thing? I think of, like... What is it, kickboxer with like Jean Claude Van Damme kicking the tree? It's just that image right away. I think set the kickboxer too. Like when kickboxer was punching the right, sand right, and right. Stuff. Yes, right. Yes. So it's all those. Kill Bill. Th- there's right. so oh, many. Yeah, all those. Yeah, yeah. That image right there sets the tone of this is a martial arts movie. And it, you're right. Like it just gets you fired. It sets that. It's like the heartbeat of the movie. The thump, thump, thump with. You know, Lawrence Fishburne, just, you know, dynamic uh, man, the, his voice over it, it just already just gets you going right away. It sets like, you're in for something different now. Yeah. Well, and I think that was that was the fun part is, like, we get started with that, and then we go right back to the desert. Right. Which, we mm-hmm. when we were talking about three, I think, you know, for me, that was my low point of, like, that movie, and maybe the low point of the whole series yeah, mm-hmm. was for me was that like desert scene with the elder, and I loved that they went right away, and they're like, "No, no, we're not talking about this anymore. We're gonna go there. He's gonna pop him right yeah. away. Just right. shoot him in the head. <laughs> Just get rid of the stupid concept. And like, no, we know this didn't work quite the way it should have. We're just gonna go and shoot the guy in the damn head and move on to the rest of the movie. Yeah, move on." <laughs> Which it's not even the same actor. Does anyone know why that is? I don't know, but I mean, they it was a different elder. They did say it was the elder prior for whatever reason. Oh, because what he said, he made that comment that he's like, "Your ring is gone, like my predecessor." Like the predecessor was. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if they did it like they did in the Matrix, you know, where the actor passes away and then they try to explain the new actor in some sort of plot. Device. I don't I think know. so. I didn't. I, I didn't I see know. that, but um, he was also like. Like that guy's also been in like some significant movies around uh, around the genre as well. Is it? You know what? It's funny because he's such a small, really, uh, him directly is momentary, right? And a really inconsequent. Well, I don't want to say inconsequential because consequences. That's something where I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot about. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's such a small part in the movie. I didn't even bother looking him up because there's so much else going on. Oh yeah, so he was yeah he was in a he's been in a lot of different things, but I'm um, trying to think of the one uh, specific one. But anyways, like yeah, like he was in 300. He was 
you know, he's in a lot of action movies. Nice. Uh, but like, I was really glad they, we went there and we just, we took care of it and we moved on because yeah. this, this really brought us right to the heart of it right after that. Cause he was going back for going back for his ring and going back for his freedom. And it really mm-hmm. started the whole message of the movie is that there's no out from your life. Right. There's consequences and there's peace only in death. And the whole movie is about the acceptance of what the whole series has been bringing us to, which is there is no out. And as we look back on, you know, the prior movies, there's so much discussion about you can't get out. There is no out. You are this. This is, mm-hmm. there's only out in, there's only out with pain. There's only out with these things. And consequences drives this movie from start to finish. Right. And it, we really go right from, right from there to we deal with the immediate consequences when we're introduced to the Harbinger, um, who then goes to Winston and we get this like bang, bang, the, the Continental's been uh, not disbanded. What is the word that he used? Uh, so Decommis- no, de- deconsecrated. Deconsecrated, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Continental's deconsecrated. He uses the hourglass, tells Winston, uh, you know, you're, you have an hour. And then condemned. We're- condemned, condemned. Because deconsecrated right. was taking the rules away and condemned was that. So it was, you know, and I thought, you know, Clancy Brown, everything, yes. again, another guy, everything he's in. Right. You're like, right. man, I'm glad Clancy Brown's in this. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. it does give you some comfort. And did you notice that he had the ring finger missing too? Oh, I didn't notice yeah. that. Yeah, I did. So you're like, once I saw that right away, I was like, oh, he did something that. Well, and they, you know. they really went into all that stuff too. Like we, you know, in the, in Wick 3, like that was the part from that scene in the desert that really did carry is all the people that the table is, you know, basically they have their finger over is, you know, all these people. So the Harbinger is one of them. And a lot of people that we go along are under the thumb of the table because they owe them their lives or, mm-hmm. you know, through everything else. But yeah, we get Clancy Brown and then we get introduced to the marquee who <laughs> is the big bad of this movie. And man, man, did Bill Skarsgård just, just chomp over the scene oh, yeah. in this movie. Every scene, he's just like chewing on everything. And oh, yeah, what, he makes what a- Lawrence Fishburne seem subtle. <laughs> Are you noticing a theme with the villains in these four movies? Because all the villains, like Chad Selsky definitely has a a type when it comes to villains, I'm noticing. Yeah. They're all smarmy, somewhat, it feels kind of weird saying this because I feel like in the third movie, um, the, um, oh, what, oh, not the actuary. What is this person called? Oh, the, uh, the adjudicator. The adjudicator is the villain in that one. And so I feel kind of weird saying this about a, a trans person, but they all have this kind of androgynous, almost a feminine kind of, you know, um, not very, because you get villains in a lot of movies that are just these big, muscly, you know, manly men. But in these movies, they're all fancy and smarmy and arrogant. Look at the kid! Look at the kid that killed the John Wick's dog in the first one. He's oh yeah, an arrogant little right. punk. 
you don't and get then the... in the second one you get the Italian guy. Yes, he's very pretty, but that guy that guy is he's a wimp. He was like, uh, you know, and he was basically running from John Wick the whole time. And mm-hmm. then the, in the third movie you get the adjudicator who is very much like I'm above you all. I'm above all of you. I don't even have the patience to lose my temper with you. I'm just beyond all this. And, and and then in this movie, you get a man in sparkly suits. He was in sparkly, double-breasted suits. <laughs> so like, and very, very arrogant. So there oh. definitely is a type and a thread that runs through all four of them. This kind of arrogant, smarmy, not very physically imposing, but like imposing due to their position and their status. And he so. loves that dripping, that Euro smarm too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Definitely. Like Bill Skarjad really gets that that dripping Euro smarm and you know the haughty attitude and you know especially with the with the French haughty thing. is a great word to use. Yes, that's with, exactly right. with that French thing going on too. Especially like oh, did they drip that you know that that attitude in there? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I gotta say every all every time he he's the plussed up version of Santino D'Antonio a hundred percent. Oh yeah. So yeah, he he's now the. He's now the representative of the high table. He's right. been deputized to be like the voice of the table in all these actions. Mm-hmm. And right. yeah, and I love his disdain for New York City. Like he's like, oh, this this city is the problem with everything. And it's like <laughs> just like is like, oh, it's dirty and like everything. He's just like, Yeah, New York's the problem. Like and everybody watching New York is like, Oh, you can't do that to our city. <laughs> you know, right. and that's it's it's so good, but like he just goes right away in like the first scene you see him and he's like, Yeah, we're blowing up the New York Continental. blows up the damn hotel right. and shoots Sharon right in the chest. Oh, and that was rough. Boy, yeah. that was rough. And the weird thing is like like he like uh uh why, uh, why am I forgetting his name? Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick, like he he died a week before the movie came out. So right. that was like yeah. that was already filmed and it was already part of the movie. Yep. And he died right. a week before the movie came out. Or like mm-hmm. the same week. And like what I saw in the theater, like that hit really hard oh, seeing yeah. Lance oh, Reddick yeah. get popped after all of the friendship and everything else he represented in the movie. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Jay. I know you're you're a really big Lance Reddick fan. I know we talked about this. Like, how did that hit you when at that moment? Like, did you see that coming when he just straight up shot him right there? Well, no. I mean, like you're just you're just not expecting that at all. I mean, he's is important. I mean, I think what really endears you to him is he's always sort of like uh, you know the babysitter for John Wick's dog. So there's <laughs> right. even a special extra special spot for Sharon in your heart, and then. You know, barring the fact that Lance Reddick in real life actually died, um, it, it hurts. Like, you really, I, I think he's one of my favorite characters. So that, that oh, yeah. hits you in the gut and sets you, sets you up for this, this fourth one. And, and um, I also think it's kind of interesting is usually these films sort of start off with some type of action punch. But there's like 30, at least half hour, maybe 40 minutes of just like table setting. But it's all earned because, you know, the eventual payoff, like they, they let this opening breathe. And I, I appreciate them kind of setting the stakes and, and introducing us to all the new characters. Yeah, well, Lance sure. Reddick's character dying. Actually, I wasn't super surprised by that. It hit me hard. I'm like, because in that moment... I because I, in that moment when he holds the gun up and I'm like, oh, 
he's gonna kill someone and then right, like right. he can't kill the head honcho. <laughs> right. He's gotta kill he's gotta kill the loyal partner. I feel like that happens in a lot of movies right. where you have like and it's like, Oh, this guy was nothing but loyal. He was right, right. you know, and then he'll die and he'll die so nobly. I know he's yeah, and there it goes. So I I don't wanna say it was predictable. But like it, it seems to be sure. something that you see in a lot of movies where it's like you can't kill off the main character because mm-hmm. that that would just be like it it would be too final to the plot and like a lot of things would then have to settle in with that. But yeah. having Shiro die was like, you know, the movie could still move on, but it packed the emotional punch. It almost felt like someone who was relatively innocent was right. killed, and that makes it even more cruel. Right. It'd be like gonna... killing. It'd be like if someone shot Frodo versus shot Sam in, <laughs> right. in Lord but of the Rings. If you I... shot Sam, you'd be like, "Don't, Sam. Why? <laughs> right. He just. He was the best. Like, why would no? Like, you kill Frodo, you're like, well, he's got the ring, so I guess you got him. You know what I mean? Like, you gotta it's... kill him with a gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I. You know what? I think it's a credit to um, how much through these series that Stahelski as a director has grown. That you're right, you could kind of see, right, he's not going to kill Ian McShane in the beginning of the movie. Like, that would be really surprising if he did. So when you know he's going to kill someone, you're right. You could probably see, uh, you kind of telegraph that. But the fact that it's still, like, uh, you know, there's definitely a moment with all of us knowing and loving Lance Reddick and knowing he passed. Like, there's weight that gets added to it. But it's still, the way it's shot is done, it's done so well. Like, it doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't feel like, man, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's. He put it together very well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I think that's right. You're, it's a testament to how important he was in the series and a testament to how good he was. And then, Oh, we got the expanded role in three and we got all that stuff. And it, mm-hmm. it, it was, you know what? It, it, it was good to see him be involved and get that and still be an important part of four, even after that. And I yep. think that was, yep. Again, it's earned, which I think we can say with just about everything in this, that almost everything that we saw on screen was earned Mm -hmm. through the whole movie. And I really enjoyed that again in the Wick series, because that's pretty consistently what we've seen throughout everything. Absolutely. With just that whole scene, we're kind of introduced to, again, this idea of consequences. And, you know, Winston is now living with the consequences of his actions that maybe he even thought he was doing the right thing. Um, but then we're introduced to uh, maybe one of the best, well, definitely one of the best characters in this entire series, if not the best outside of John Wick. We are introduced to the character of Kane, a character who is completely, his. he is like the human embodiment of consequences in this movie and is played by, of course, the great man we've talked about in other movies before, and really we can't talk about it enough, the world-famous legendary martial arts movie legend, Donnie Yen. Guys, how excited were you once you saw Donnie Yen on the screen? It's it, man. And also I thought it was awesome that he's blind, because wasn't he, didn't he play the blind character? In Rogue One. In, in, Rogue, in Rogue, Rogue One, Rogue One. Yep. and yes. like, he, he killed it in that role. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll take more of this. I will totally take... A whole movie of this, and, I, and he was just nuts. I nuts. I, I was awesome. a little hesitant at first because I'm like, oh, if people only know him from Rogue One, are they going to think, like, is this guy really blind? Actually blind. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, he's been in a million others. But it, And that's where I love, you know, we talked about at the beginning with him punching the rope. Like, for all of us that love martial arts movies, that was like a sign that, like, this is your movie. 
And I feel like just seeing Donnie Yen, you're like, oh, we talked about in all the mo- other movies how it's great that they got like Common or Holly Berry to come in and they train them. I'm like, nope, that this is Donnie. Like Donnie Yen didn't need to go through training for this. Like, <laughs> no, he is Donnie Yen. And you're he like, showed up the day before. He's right. like, is this the movie? All right, let's just do it. Right. Oh, right. he saw the sword play. Like, was so uh, cool. So it was so cool. I love it. I lo- I know we're fast forwarding to the end, but like. Like when he stabs John Wick in the hand, and he's like, "We're oh, even." And oh I was my just like, God. "What the hell?" <laughs> I was like, Whoosh! "You know," and like he stabs so many people, and there's such quick little like pokes. Oh. I'm like, I've never seen that because typically in a movie, when you stab someone, it's this dramatic through oh. them, and you know. But he was like, "Nope, chop, 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 chop," and I just I loved it. I loved, I loved every second he was on the screen. And what's really interesting is, I think it. Um, and I think this happened in Rogue One to a lesser extent, just because of screen time issues. But um, he, he's making these really eccentric choices. It almost reminds me of like um, like a Christopher Walken or a, a you know Jeff Goldblum, like just 100%. weird John Goodman, like weird ticky things, and he just like stops to eat noodles. Like he's having a lot of fun and hamming <laughs> oh, it up, oh. and it, it just it works for the character. And I'm and it kind of makes me think like, sure, Donnie Yen's like an amazing you know martial artist, but he's a really good actor too. Like he yes. delivers his oh. cane. When I, I think that's the other thing, like for me, like I, I think I, I saw Rogue One before this, but I didn't really recognize him. I'd never seen any of his other movies. And after I watched this movie, like I knew who he was. And when I watched this movie, I'm like, I, I I can't not go watch his other movies. He was so amazing in this movie from start to finish. You're right. The martial arts impeccable like so so good through the whole movie he is Mm -hmm. hilarious (laughs) in this movie he is the driver of this whole movie like this is the first movie that it is debatable who is the better character in the movie oh yeah is it hammer wick and Mm -hmm. it's really it's really close because donnie yen is astonishingly good in this movie so funny so great and he is the counterpoint because he's also under the thumb of the table because he, because of the consequences he had to pay to keep his daughter alive, he took the same offer that Wick did to be, you know, essentially the hitman of the table. They give him a name. He has to take care of it. And now he's been given the name of John Wick. So we've established that he is the big, he is the foe in this movie. And as I said up front, I think it's dead obvious he is by far the best foe in any of these movies. And it's really not close. Right. Like Dacascos was great in three. This is just like multiple times better. He is by far the best foe in this movie. Right. In, in the I don't know. Kill, I like Killer the best. Just kidding. Oh, <laughs> he is, well, we're we're going to get there. We're it's a little, there. That's a different. That's and, there, a different and there's so much to talk about. Uh, Donnie Yen is Kane. Uh, you know, and things that they do with like the blindness, just not being a stuff. But you know what? That that all will come with time, and to stop me from getting into this, I need to talk about Kane for four hours. I think this is a great time for us to take a break. Then we'll come back and we'll jump into the first massive action piece in this movie, the Osaka Confidential, or the Confidential. <laughs> I'm see, I'm so excited about this, I can't even like so, form words. Huntone thinks Osaka a... Confidential sounds like a great movie. Yeah, like, that's L.A. That's Confidential, a... right. Osaka Confidential, a Japanese I'm... noir movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm down. 
All right, let, let's go to break, and I'll, I'll collect myself here. Okay, we are back to get confidential about the Osaka Continental. So uh, <laughs> we've upset. we've seen a couple different Continentals through the series. And uh, guys, this is my favorite one so far. We enter the Osaka Continental. Man, I really want to say confidential. I don't know. Why. Well, I, I got to say, like, the visuals, like, this movie is stunningly beautiful. Like, all the filming is just absolutely fantastic. And the Osaka Continental is just beautiful because it's dripping in neon the whole mm-hmm. time. But we get, you know, we're getting cherry blossoms. We're getting everything. Like, this is a beautifully, a beautifully uh, filmed scene. And, like, we're di- we dive in so fast into the Japanese Continental. We get intro to, you know, intro to the manager, intro to... Uh, to his daughter, intro to the tracker, Shamier yes. uh, or Shamier Anderson as the tracker. We get introduced to him, and oh my God, what an amazing just top to bottom like stack up of everything so fast where you introduce to all these characters, but oh, every yeah. single interaction is like slick. It oh, is. is it good? So we, right. So right at the beginning, we get introduced to first the concierge, who we find out her name is Akira, who, yeah, Akira, like how cool is that? Nice. Right? And her father, Koji, the uh, the manager of that Continental. And Jay, I'm hoping, like watching this, he was so compelling to me. I loved him so much in this movie. And I, I've probably seen him in others, but he was someone, you know, another kid we'll get into. Oh, yeah, he's in, he's in Wol- the Wolverine. Sorry to the, the Yeah, no, well, that's what I want to know. Where wasn't else he, have I seen this guy? was Scorpion in he the was, new Mortal oh, Kombat that's right, movie? Yes. Yeah, he was. He was, yeah, in he, 40, was he was in 47 Ronin. Yeah, he's in a bunch of stuff. He, yeah, yeah, he's in he, a ton of stuff. I actually yeah. really liked him, even though this is kind of a... Uh, sadly, a white savior movie, The Last Samurai. Like he really oh, popped yeah. for me, and that's when I was Which, like, "Who was he you know, in?" Like, oh, I have to see. He's like the the main samurai that Tom Cruise is hanging out with before Tom Cruise shows. Yeah, yeah. That's right. so not Ken Watanabe, right? So he the... he was also in he was in The Ring, the Japanese Ring, Ring uh, Two. Oh yeah, yeah. He's better. In, he like, was. It's everything. been so long since I've seen the Japanese one. Wow, oh, man. Yeah, I and gotta watch. Too. I have to watch like all of these. Um, yeah, I hear you about the Last Samurai, and I, you know, I won't sidetrack into this too much. We could, we could do an episode on that. Um, it, it's very white savory, but I, Jay, we, I think both talked about how much we love Tom Cruise, and there's some like, yeah, I'm sure he's one of the characters that I loved in that movie, and Ken Watanabe's great. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I just in this, I loved. He was just great in like with his daughter, and uh, you know, it's one of the things like it, that I'm sure we're gonna talk about more. You know, a lot of the weight in, we talked about in the first movie, how losing the dog was, aside from just that we love dogs, but the the placeholder that the dog was or the representative for his wife and how much his love for his wife is there. Uh, you know, and then we'll talk more about, like, Cain. Now he has this relationship with his daughter. Uh, you know, but, but it's separate, right? And for the two of them to see, well, here's a relationship that we see in front of us. They are both there and together and it's just, you know, all the these relationships that carry us. Like, that's why we love the characters in these movies, right? Because we buy into them. And, like, and Koji and Akira, they're just, they're so good. And, and it was quick. But right. you know what? The relationship, it felt real when you saw it on screen. Mm. And they did a really good job of doing that quickly, where it didn't feel forced that, like, oh, yeah, like, 
she could be she could be a follow on thing. She could be this. She could be that. It didn't feel forced. Like it felt like this was a real relationship. We got it, and we also got a lot of the setup of, um, you know, of them, you know, talk, you know, getting him talking to Wick on the, you know, on the roof after that interaction, where they start talking about the table that it's. The table only takes life, only gives death. Yes. And that a good death only comes after a good life. And they're both talking about their regrets and the consequences for the life that they've led. And Yeah, and you, you get that vibe that they, you know, are longtime friends. And I love the, yeah. the line he says. It's always so weird in these movies because I'm I come for the action, but there, there's like random lines that are just so philosophical and deep, like oh, he yeah. says something to John Wick, or maybe it's to his daughter where he's like, um, you know, it's like something about friendship isn't true friendship if it's convenient because he's you know gonna have to <laughs> right unfortunately right. anytime uh john needs help whoever's helping him is is basically screwed so uh well i never realized just 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 to jump in jay i never realized john had any friends like because yeah. like, in the other movies yeah. in the other movies like when you think about it he he worked for the russian mob and right. they were like all right he's really good at what he does he was clearly an orphan that was groomed to be a murderer. Mm-hmm. You know, he leaves the whole world behind him. Um, and like, he finds his wife who he is somewhat codependent on, we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Winston is kind of casual, but now they got all these people that are like, Oh, John wick. He's my friend. Like, Kane was his friend. Koji's his friend. Like right. now he has all these friends. Right. So like right. I didn't realize that. So so it actually he's never been to this part out. of the world yet. So yeah. Now that we're in Asia territory, he he really vibes with the, that culture. Yeah. <laughs> he spent less time killing and more time just hanging out. Hanging so out, chilling, yeah. having some Yamazaki whiskey. Mm, delicious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yes, that was a good. question I had, and I knew that I would count on you. Yeah. I just saw the whiskey, and I was like, I wonder what that is. And that I was it was Yamazaki this. either twelve or eighteen. Uh, the twelve is. The cheap one at about a hundred and eighty dollars, and the eighteen I think goes for five plus five hundred dollars plus. Oh, so, so that... as a reward to myself, after teaching my first semester entirely under COVID, which was, by the way, a nightmare. Oh, sure. Anyone who's an instructor during COVID, you're all saints. Oh, you like, all and, know. and the younger the level, like college was hard, but I'm sure if you're teaching elementary school students, you must Ugh. have been like ready to kill yourself. Just brutal. Awful. That sucked so bad. At the end of that semester, after I turn in my final grades, I go to my wife, I'm like, I'm going to the liquor store. And I go to the liquor store and I call her up and I go, can I spend $150 on one bottle of whiskey? And it was the Yamazaki 12. Oh, oh really? It, it, she was like, yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh. And it, is and it was stuff. And it was so good. It was the Man. best. It, I don't know if it was actually the best whiskey I ever had, but in that moment, it was yeah. the best whiskey oh, yeah. I ever had. So, Man, oh. at that price point, it makes Blanton's look like Jim Beam. Yeah, and that's, that's amazing <laughs> stuff, too. Um, but, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's also the point is, like, you can see them, like, during that relationship, like, they're drinking the whiskey together, but they're – you can – like you buy that they're friends. Like it's not like, Oh yeah. It's Oh yeah. John's got friends. Like, no, like those scenes, like you buy the friendship and the same thing with Kane, you know, when he's, when he's coming in into the front of the continental as the emissary of the, of the table. Right. And he's talking to Koji. You're like, 
yeah, you know what? You buy that they're friends as well and that he has no choice. He has to do it to save his daughter. And he knows that and Koji knows that. And they're not enemies. Right. Like, they're not. And I think that's that's one of the most interesting parts of the movie is that we have a lot of these amazing fights between some of these people who you really buy that they're friends and you buy through the fight that they're friends and you buy at the end that they're friends. Right. Well, it's one of the things that I love about Kane with that is that, and I'm sure this will be something we'll come back to repeatedly, but you can tell with his interactions with people, the way that he treats Koji and the way that he treats John is 100% different than basically like the people, the way that he speaks to the Marquis or Killa. <laughs> like, I love, you know, I mean, a literal tell him, fuck off. Oh, this, <laughs> my God. I, I so think good. it was like, there are so many laugh out loud scenes in this movie <laughs> yeah. of Donnie yes. Yen Just being the, amazing. Right. He's like, I, I forget he was later in the movie. I wrote it down. He's like, it's like, oh, you can just, nope, not going to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <And> I'm like, <laughs> that's awesome. Right, Nobody right. And it, so all those people, you know, and it's like, you know, he has those. And the other character that he has some of those good moments with that I think is the really, like, sneaky, uh, other underrated, like, really compelling character that we're introduced to here is, guy, we don't even know his name. He's the nobody tracker. the tracker. He's nobody, yeah. right? And who is this guy? Like, what else has he been in? He was so good at this. And he has the dog. So we get the dog in here, and he's wonderful with the dog. I say I was really impressed with him the whole movie. Like, his presence on screen, like, we've talked about it before, but his presence on screen is just, like, he's not, like, he's really integrated in the movie, but yeah. you're like, oh, wow, he's he's great. Like, he reminds me like favorably of like, you know, when John David Washington's on screen. Right. Oh, you know, when, yeah. I could when, see that. Yeah. When like Keith Stanfield, you know, it's these people that they're on, when they're on screen, you know, when, um, uh, Oh geez, I'm, I'm losing my brain cause it's late at night. Um, so it's a lot of the stuff he's in. Like we, I don't know a lot of the stuff he's yeah, been in. I looked in. up. I didn't know any. I, I was like, I must have seen him somewhere else. It's just like, no, I gotta say no. like really impressed with him as an actor and like, I really want to see more of him in yeah. this, well, in this series, like a hundred percent. It's a credit to him that throughout the movie, that again, we'll get into more of this throughout. But I mean, he's, reminds me of Daniel Kaluuya as well. Yeah, he's balancing between Bill Skarsgård, Donnie Yen, and Keanu <laughs> Reeves, and he fits right. It's never like you're never like uh, you know initially you're like who is this guy because you don't know him, but then throughout the whole movie, like he, you know, he carries the weight of that character like he can stand in there with them and like that those are some serious chops to be able to just be an unknown and come in and immediately like yep i like this guy root for him and again we see like kane we have the moment uh you know after and i don't want to skip past this because we have some epic fights to talk about that happen in the con but when he has his moments with kane uh you know who kane treats him with respect is like you know gives him some i guess like mentoring so uh, you know, which again is just what makes that character great. But again, but, you know, and again, I'm getting ahead of myself, and I really don't want to skip past. We get the first major action in this movie, and that is when the table comes to the Continental with with Kane as the uh, the big bad guy, right? At as the, the time. big bad guy, the I don't want to say unwilling, but uh, uninspired, maybe <laughs> like yeah, he's yeah. the aggressor here, oh, so good. and we well, get this well, fantastic. Well, if, I, if I can jump in yeah, with Kane do, for a do. little bit, just do. the talk, please just because I think it's important. I've said that in 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 the movies, in the John Wick movies, 
uh, there has been a progression from a movie being a very intimate, very emotionally motivated revenge movie that I felt very close to the character of John Wick to more outlandish action and then even more outlandish action. In this one, the like, all it's definitely gone all the way in that way. And that's not a bad thing because they've committed to it and I respect that. Donnie Yen actually is able to bring it back back to the yes. roots of the original and that's what i love about his character because john yes. wick's gone yes john wick's gone his soul is lost he's like there's a point there was a point in the third movie where i was like dude does it matter like does it what, why are you doing this like what for her like the memory i don't need this existential stuff you are too far gone you know <laughs> like what are you gonna just do kill everyone and then walk off into the sunset like right you know but donnie yen's character Kane, he has a family. He ha- and he says this explicitly, and I don't want to get to that yet. But he, but throughout the movie, they're just reinforcing that he has something to live for, something mm-hmm. to die for, and something to kill for, right? Yes. And that is John Wick in the first movie, and I think that's that's really special. And I think Donian's character brings us back to the John Wick we knew before all this shit went down. Yeah. And, and and I think it was such a good thing. And he he does really he does ground the movie and you're right, he grounds the movie, but we also get the by far the biggest action scenes like the one oh, yeah. we're starting like when they deconsecrate the hotel we start getting arrow fights in the middle of the Osaka <laughs> Continental. Right, I like when it's awesome. Right, so this <laughs> fight when it pops off, the fact that Again, we talk about calling back to like kung fu movies and that with like the punching. The second that uh that Koji says to to his guys, he's like what uh says something along the lines of like we have guests, make sure they're sir, you know, or it's that line and they open up the uh they open up the the coolers there and it's all like swords and shit. Oh, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, yes, <laughs> cuz you know, I love samurai love movies." And I'm like this Japanese steel, right? Let's see you, baby. And then we get the house SWAT team. It's like coming in, right? Or right, the table yeah. SWAT team, and yeah, because we get the 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 guys with the armor like the end of three. We get yeah, we get this great attack on the roof with Wick and the daughter, um, and she avails herself quite well oh, on the roof. She's badass. She's great, and she's she's a singer, by the way. This is yes. her first movie really? ever. Yeah, that's right. That's and I saw right that Stahelski like saw a music video of hers and was like, oh, I love her. I want her to be in this, and just reached out to her, and she's like, oh, what? Yeah, yep. first, okay. first movie ever is this movie. Yeah, and the song they play at the end credits, not to get to a head, is uh, her song. She's oh, that's awesome. Interesting. <clears throat> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, you get the, I mean, the roof attack's fun. You get a lot of that, you know, the armor attacks, a lot of the stuff we saw in the third one, which was fun. And then I, I, it's hard not to talk about Donnie Yen like this whole time, but then you get Donnie Yen in the kitchen scene downstairs. Oh my god! And what about that... how great Bing is bong. it? Yeah, Bing like he, he took stuff from like um like Home Depot and and made it like super awesome and cool. Like I was just like like how everything creative. with him just popped. It was I so know creative, up with right, that. Jay? It was wonderful. And yeah. we have to also touch on what Dom mentioned this before. The first, he's just sitting there eating noodles. Like I'm just, oh, he's so just good. eating the noodle. And I like yeah. the one guy's like, "What are you doing? Like, get out of here!" And like, nah, he'd rather just eat the noodles. It's like, all right, I yeah. guess I gotta get. He's in there. very reluctant to be there. He's like, oh god, god I damn kill it. people. But yeah, so but the I motion was... detectors <clears throat> and the, I just love so cool. Well, I was thinking about usually when you see. Uh, to me, now it's been a while since I've seen some of the older like Zatochi um, and some of the like blind fighting 
kung fu movies, but in a lot of the movies where you see a blind fighter, and I'm thinking specifically about like Donnie Yen and Rogue One, it's they have this like extra sense that they can see things. You know, my favorite hero, Daredevil, that it's like it's basically like quote unquote blind. And mm-hmm. but he really can do, and I love that. Like with things like the motion detector, or like the way that he feels the edges, like you feel like this is a legitimate blind guy, and not just we're like wink, wink, he's blind. Um, mm-hmm. Like I feel like they go to lengths to like choreograph his fighting and the stuff that he does to feel like no, this guy is actually really blind. Yeah, and he wasn't wearing a lot of plot armor. You know, like right. I find in uh, blind people in a lot of movies, it's like, oh, he got lucky here, you know. It just No, I feel like there were a couple times it was plot armor, but it was done on purpose. Like, John Wick has a shot on him, he doesn't take it, you know, and a couple other things. Um, but for the most part, like, I, I was like, yeah, he seems blind. Like, I want to know how good this guy was when he could see. Right, right, right. Jeez. Right. Well, and I got to say, like, for, like, how old Donnie Yen is in this movie, how fast he is. He's so fast. Oh, my God. Like, the speed that he moves at in this movie is, like, just, like, just blows you away. Like, every scene, it's just like, oh. So he's born in 1963. When this movie came out, he was 60 years old. And it's like, oh, my God, the speed he's working at and, like, the speed of the punches, the speed of everything is just awesome. The whole scene was great. Oh, yeah. Um, Uh, I have to also, the one other thing I really think we need to highlight about this fight is we get John Wick with nunchucks. Oh, that's that's coming up in the next scene. Yeah, in the glass room room battle. Um, I I do want to touch on the daughter climbing the guy on the stairs with knives. The huge guy. Just right? climbing the guy with knives yeah. in his back was just awesome. It's awesome. Um, yeah. But yeah, going to the glass room, we get another glass room battle. Like, they yeah. knew we loved that in right. the third one. Right, like, we're giving you yeah. this. We're giving you another one. We get Wick with nunchucks. Oh. We get, you know, all those fights in there. And when you, you know, you get smashing, you know, smashing glass again, getting those big glass noises. It was fun. Then you get the first Kane and Wick scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, where he's just, you know, all the little things, the, you know, the blind stuff, like, oh, he can't hear, and then he, he breaks the glass, and then he goes after him. And it's all so fast. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will say this, though, about the Chucks. Can we rewind back? Oh, to please the- yeah, do. Oh, yeah, I want to talk it, about those so, Chucks. So, like, I, my, I don't know how to use Chucks. I don't know how to fight with any weapons. Um, I've always wondered about the um, how the effectiveness of nunchucks. I don't, I don't have an opinion. I don't know anything about it, but I always looked at the weapon and I was like, it seems to move really fast, but how much damage does it actually do? Cause it's on, I mean, it's swinging around real fast, but how much weight is behind it? And, and, and a lot of it is like, <laughs> because all I've been exposed to is Ninja Turtles and um, <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Lee. Lee. Yeah. And in Ninja Turtles, Bruce Lee, there's a lot of <laughs> whipping it around like a maniac, which is probably good from a psychological standpoint and from distracting your opponent. John Wick doesn't do any of them. No. Yes. He just takes it and he goes, bonk, 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 and he just whacks people with it like he's whacking them with his stick, and I absolutely loved it because I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Like, Because well, if you sw- if you have two pieces of wood with a chain in the middle and you just swing it down as hard as you can on someone's head, that's going to hurt. And I loved it. I loved it. There's no flash. Yeah. It's so John Wick to have no flash and just, right. this is how I'm going to beat you up. 
that's, that's what I loved about it, that I was so, like, uh, there was the moment where I'm like, oh, my God, he's got nunchucks. And then the way that he uses it, you're right. It's so authentic to the choreo- you know, the the choreography of the fights for John Wick, that it is it is quick, it is direct, it is, ext- it is as practical and immediately brutal as possible. Uh, and when it you doesn't know, with make no sense. no extra flair. Right. If it's, there's it, nothing done for flair. It is all yeah. functionality to and inflict massive, right. you know, immediate damage. Yeah. He'll switch to a gun and he'll put him around his neck. He's yeah. like, this isn't good for nunchucks right now. I need my right. gun or right. I need to do something hand to hand. But then he'll go back to it when it fit, when it fit the, you know, purpose of the next person he encountered. And then when so he uses great. it for leverage, yeah. like, oh like God, uses it so as control great. too. Like, it's like, oh yeah, this is how somebody might actually use these in right. this kind of scene. And it's like, yeah, this is, there's a lot of, lo- everything's logical. Oh yeah. <clears throat> While we're also dealing with like, okay, so just to tie back to what Dom mentioned in prior ones, like the armor has gotten a little bit, a little bit wild. So now like <laughs> the suits are essentially metal armor. Like you right. can hear things bouncing off them. Like the mm-hmm. second one, you're like, Oh, if you're wearing suit armor, you get hit by a bullet. It hurts a lot. Right. And you're basically down. And now it's like basically metal armor. Right. I, I think we've all gotten to say, all right, we're okay with the fact that this is now a thing, but yep, you got to accept it and move forward. Right. That was probably the thing that was most like, Oh, you just, you hit your the suit and it's basically metal armor at that point. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I like how he basically Batman capes his, yes, uh, right, right, <laughs> his right, suit right. jacket over his face when he sees people shoot him. He just he just holds it over his face. I'm like, that's it. Right. That's yeah. all it takes. <laughs> right. Right. Okay, right. then we're moving forward. Right. And then actually, it was funny because afterwards when he does the duel, it's a three piece suit and he has a vest on underneath. So not only is his jacket bulletproof, probably the vest is too. So he can open his jacket and he's still bulletproof. Uh-huh. But still, there's no way. Like, people are shooting him with 12-gauge shotguns <laughs> and armor-piercing bullets. And I'm like, I don't care. This is awesome. So, right, right, so right, right. what? Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. So in that scene, yeah, we get our first Kane and Wick scene, which is awesome. Like, yep. you believe, mm-hmm. again, that they're, that they're equals in many different ways, in different ways. Yep. Because we're getting a whole different thing. This is the first time it's felt like a true equal to John Wick. Right. Like, mm-hmm. DeCosco's was really good, but this is the first time you feel like, yeah, this this guy is an equal to Wick oh, yeah. in every way. Yeah, Zero, I didn't... Zero... I, I, and what I loved about Zero is he was a fanboy. He was he, he yes. worked really hard, but yeah. he wasn't John Wick. He wanted to be John Wick. And, and right. he, I never thought for a second that he would beat John Wick. I was genuinely wondering. I'm like, is John Wick going to die at the end? I'm not saying whether he did or not, but we all know. We we will get into it. We will get into <laughs> we, it. We all know what happened. And I'm like, I think Donnie Yen might be the guy that does it. Like, yeah. it might be him. If, any, if it's anyone, it's going to be him. It's amazing. And so so as we go, so we're, we're finishing that fight. Yep. So Wick gets to escape um, after, you know, the tracker interrupts. Yep. And, you know, interrupts Wick's escape and... Basically says, I'm not killing you now. I've tracked you here, and I'm waiting for the money to go up before right. I kill you because that guy's the ultimate opportunist. Like, he's the Triple H of this movie. <laughs> like well he's, said. He's all about the game. He's all about the game. He's waiting for it, and he's going <laughs> after him. And it's like, yeah, this guy's got, he's got the energy. He's got the thing. His Belgian Malinois is amazing. Oh, yes. Like, he is all... He's all in the whole movie, 
And then we get this beautiful, beautiful showdown between Koji and Kane. Oh, yeah. And, like, again, the filming of it was, like, was, like, equal to some of the, you know, some of the, uh, uh, some of the scenes in Kill Bill, it, you know, oh, yeah. it's echoing a lot of those same kind of things. Classic sure. martial arts scenes. Yep. I gotta say, it was great. Both of those guys are awesome. Oh, yeah. And it's a quick, it's a quick fight. Neither one wants to fight each other. They have no choice. Yep. Kane mm-hmm. has to kill him. Right. And, and Kane even he gives him that out, like he tells him, you know, and you feel the weight of it when he's like, "Just go be with your daughter." And, like, you can feel the way to, like, he's, like, I would be, like, we don't have to do this, like. Well, in the two, the two lines, right? And, they're again, they're both friends. And the two lines that are back-to-back was when Kane stabbed him the first time. He's, like, even a blind man can see you've lost. Right. And Koji mm-hmm. says, you don't need eyes to see the right path. I'm, like, yeah. oh, my God. Like, the, these oh, yeah. guys have history. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, Kane obviously finishes off Koji. Yep. And the daughter was going to go after him. He's like, don't do it. And Kane says, live instead and I'll be waiting for you. Cause he knows right. that the consequences for everything he's doing are probably going to come back at him. And he's going to have to pay his consequences uh, yeah. as well. Yeah. Kane sees this as a suicide mission. Like I, yeah. I can tell and that 100%. as the movie progresses. Yep. And foreshadowing and to the first ever, right. First ever bonus scene. Yeah. In a John Wick movie. Yes. But like yeah, it's again we're this is the consequences. Everybody knows. Everybody yeah. knows where this is going the whole movie. This is where everything's going. Yep. Did Koji take the right path? I don't know. Like I, I get it. Yeah. He's willing to die for his friends cuz friends are worth dying for, but I mean is it the right path? I don't know. And I'm not asking this and I'm not being like, I'm not poking the bear here. I genuinely was saying that. I'm like, I get he dies for honor and yada, yada, yada. But I'm like, like, I was, I, it frustrated me a little bit because I'm like, it's almost too honorable because if you lived, you could be with your daughter. You're going to die anyway. Everyone's going to die anyway. You know, John Wick's, John Wick lives by the sword. He'll probably die by the sword. This is all just a wash. So why don't you just walk away from it when you can? And he chooses not to. And I think that was very powerful, but also very frustrating. And that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. When I don't 100% agree with the characters, but I understand yeah. their motivation, I think that's very good character. Building. For sure. Can For I sure. also say in a lesser movie, we would have seen that death scene, and then we would have seen him come back in like the second to last scene in the movie to save Wick from something. Right, right. <laughs> like, because, like, yeah. oh, we didn't see him 100% die, and we would have, <laughs> right. in a lesser movie, would have seen him come back, like, on the stairs scene or something, come right. back like, oh, we're saving John Wick with Koji's back. <laughs> right, I'm like, right. ugh. Um, but, uh, so we get we get the finish of, yep. you know, the Japanese scene, and we go right to New York. Yep, we're back to New York. Winston and the Bowery King talking outside the Continental yep. about revenge and everything else. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very brief, but awesome. Then we get the Marquis and the Harbinger talking about, like, these are all, we're starting to get to the setup part of this movie, yep. which yep. is. This is where all the pieces are starting to move into move into place, right? Getting the marquee talking to the harbinger, which again, I love this scene because Clancy Brown is realistically the voice of reason. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. With so much of what's going on here. And, and I love the marquee is like, 
The concept isn't to kill Wick. It's to kill the idea of right. Wick and everything it touches. And that killing, like, oh, you don't have to kill all this stuff and blow it up. Like, no, the destruction is the point. The killing is the point of this whole thing. You didn't have to kill. You didn't have to blow up the continents. You didn't have to, uh, you know, kill all the people in the Japanese kind of was like, no, that's the point is everything's about this is what happens if you're around this. Right. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then we get yeah, the, the boldness and the arrogance of the, of that character. Oh, oh yeah. God. Almost yeah. as bold and arrogant as his beige, shiny. Double <laughs> 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 like I was like, his suit is sparkling. I know they, I mean, it wasn't super obvious, but he was wearing a sparkly suit. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> It was beautifully cut, too. Oh, beautifully yeah. Oh, yeah. cut. It's, you know. Um, uh, right, then we get the... The tracker. We, right, the tracker and Kane both mm-hmm. come to meet with the Marquis, and basically at their mission, and we get this there's wonderful negotiation with the tracker, which I want to say, like, so if you call back to, what was it, the second movie, when there is the price put on John Wick's head, that's, what, $7 million? And, man... The tracker is great at getting that up big time throughout this movie. You know, upwards to the end, you know, it's going to get up to forty million. Like, like, oh, remember when it was seven and that was crazy? And How like, quaint. that's not even <laughs> close here, right? And he has this great negotiation with with the marquee. Oh man! Well, and then you're right Ouch. when when Kane was right. We <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, because and then Kane telling him was like, he's going to offer you a thing. He's going to make it seem like you have a decision like don't go into this because now you're going to be under them just like I am right like the, and that's where like I was saying before that like you can see here's someone who Kane clearly like uh, there's the respect or something that he isn't like a fuck off to him like yeah you know he's treating him fairly and I would just like to point when we talk about uh nobody's negotiating skills. I love that he also, there's some future planning that he asks for some money in his 401k too. Like, yeah, oh, this, I I know, like, that's this so great. He's got a financial, and it made me wonder, like, I wonder, like we have, we've met all these employees of the high table, the harbinger and the adjudicator. Like I want, do they have like a benefits plan? Do they, they got have, great like, a 401k? teeth. So the dental plan like, must be pretty good. Right. Great teeth. <laughs> and I, I gotta say it's, I'm going to say a lot of people aren't cashing in on their pensions um, in this world. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's yeah, true. They They're like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll pay that. <laughs> well, the, the, there's no life insurance plan. Like, yeah. your life insurance? No. Right. No, 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 no. Right. It's, it's, like, it's like State Farm insuring people in Florida. Not going to happen. We're not insuring anybody in Florida. <laughs> well, it, it reminds me of a, another great movie, action movie, that I love, The Professional, Luke. Son, I think is how you pronounce it. Like, mm. and uh, you know the the profess the hitman there as his uh, mafia guy played by Danny Aiello is fantastic as ever. And he's like, "Oh, I'm just holding that money for you." For like, dude, this nobody's ever seen. There's no money. This guy isn't seeing shit. And yeah. it's the same thing here, right? Like, oh yeah, in the assassin business, pension is a great business because they have no families and they're definitely gonna die. Like. Oh, that's, that's and they're all suicidal. Like, let's right, face right. it, that is oh, yeah. that is the uh, that is the one thing the bulletproof the bulletproof blazer. Eh, it's fun. I can deal with it. <laughs> but like, I don't know, man. If I was, a, I, I'm not saying I'm a really good martial artist, but if I was the best martial artist on the planet and had the best gunfighting skills on the planet, I would have sat this one out. <laughs> Yet these guys are just like, it, it's 
seven, ten, twenty million dollars. I'm gonna go commit suicide and maybe I'll get like, like it's just the bodies just kept stacking up and stacking up, and I'm like, oh, so great. many. But I'm just like, you don't really care if you died. <laughs> well, and speak speaking of pain, I mean, in the middle of that discussion, that we go back to the way the table acts when you know negotiating with the tracker. Like he stabs him right in the hand. He's like, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. show show your dedication, not just to money by you can you can pull the knife out or you can cut your hand from the center out. Right. Oh my God, was that so, brutal? Oh. So yeah, it was brutal. What was so so? What was the exact thing? If he had pulled it out, he would have been killed. Or probably, probably, yeah. Because that's right. just how the table acts. Like they they want you under their under their control, and now they're. Yeah, by- by this point in the movie, I lost all respect for the rules because, yeah. the, you know, they talk about the rules, the rules. And I and in our last podcast, I sent I mentioned I'm like, the rules are kind of bullshit. This is kind of an autocracy. Oh, and it's... now I'm like, the rules are bullshit. The high table will do whatever they want. It's definitely they don't give an a autocracy. Crap. Absolutely. They don't, they don't give a crap. Honestly, the only reason the Marquis did the duel thing is because he thought it was a way he can stall and get John. Ah, well, Dom, because he... let's roll right into it. Yeah, well, let's... let's go, because I think that is a, that's a good point for us to our very next scene where we are going to get the Winston and Wick reunited, and it feels so good, uh, <laughs> where we will set the stage for everything that's going to happen. And I think, again... Well, there's... Right, there's nothing there's nothing that feels better than meeting at your friend's grave in the middle of New York City. Uh, <laughs> the snowy grave. That plot's expensive. I wonder how many gold coins that costs. Oh god, yeah. One. Probably one. Yeah. <laughs> Jay's like one. Yeah. Um, Everything costs one. But but what a what a beautiful scene. Like we get Wick and Winston meeting at Sharon's grave and that basically saying, you know, he died for our sins. Um, and it's like, yeah, that's, that was a rough one. And, um, basically saying you can't kill the marquee and this is our exposition dump saying, oh, here's, there's an archaic rule saying you can fight somebody in single combat because there's a lot of protracted things in this world as you'd imagine right. over time. Like, all right, we got to settle this. How about a duel? <laughs> well, I feel like that's a good uh, I don't know if trope is the right word, but uh, kind of in yes. a lot of these movies that there is the like there there's oh I mean we saw it in like Game of Thrones and uh, you know and that's just one where oh you can call out a duel in single combat and that will over you know all the like overlook any level of war or whatever um, yeah it washes out everything yeah right mm-hmm. but but like I said I think the only reason the Marquis agreed to it is because like he thought it was a he like he's like i think i can get him this way i think i think if i can stall and yeah yeah we know how the movie progresses yeah but like yeah, we... if the high table didn't want that duel to happen they wouldn't have let it happen like yeah but i i love the idea that we're setting up we're setting up for all that and the big thing is to get into the duel you have to have a family so like as we're wrapping up the the first part of our discussion this time it's Wick has to go back to the Ruska Roma in Berlin yes. and get back into his family so so he can do the single combat with the Marquis and see if he can get out. Um, but that's kind of where we're going to leave it off for, for the first section. I mean, wow, like, let, let's just finish off with a quick, like, 
like for this for the setup, which was amazing action still and getting introduced to Donnie Yen, like great first part of the movie, right? Like this this was fantastic. This first section of the movie, like how, what did you yeah, think about it, Jay? Yeah, it's really confident movie making. Like again, like really I said, is. like there's they're kind of really going for the story here and and plot versus just like awesome spectacle of of you know kind of why we bought the ticket with his the fightings and it works it pays off like never am i like looking at my watch like i'm just like so excited to meet these new characters supporting cast it's just man i i'm by by this point in the film the first time i saw it because i've seen it a few times now um like i was giddy oh a hundred percent i mean when i saw this in the theater like i was laughing more than anybody <laughs> like i was laughing loud and like all the scenes like everybody's like this i'm like ah, this is amazing uh and we're gonna get it into even more uh oh man there are some great moments and some of the scenes coming coming up very soon but i think this is a great place for us to <clears throat> to end this discussion for tonight we've kind of so we've set this plot there is the 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 one way out uh you know even though Winston calls the Marquis, like, says he's John Wick's Hydra, which I love that idea. Like, right, you just keep killing these people, and it doesn't make any difference. Well, here's the way that you can do it. Here's the way you can move forward. And that's going to set us, you know, he has to to go forward. He has to go back into his past. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be a whirlwind from there. So um, I'm really excited to dive into more of this with you guys. Um, oh man, including a, another huge martial arts world cameo, uh, huge, both figuratively and literally in this movie. So uh, exciting. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I love the first half of this movie, adore the rest of the movie and, uh, really excited to come back and do part two with you guys very soon. Yes. Yeah, so we'll mm-hmm. have that back. Dom will have some science for us. Uh, we have oh so much more to talk about with this movie. So all I know and all I'm going to say is I am Stromy <laughs> and Perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. So we'll see everybody back for part two of John Wick chapter four. And yeah, I mean, thanks so much uh, for coming over, Mike, and recording in the studio. Always happy to have you here. And uh, we'll see everybody uh, next time for a second half of John Wick chapter four. Yes, just get ready, have your marker, and make sure you're ready (laughs) for the conclusion. Tear your ticket. It's time. (laughs) Make sure your forearm's clear for the branding if you need it. (laughs) (laughs) Night, everybody. See you. This has been a presentation of the Lunchador Podcast Network. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.